0: A podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Aaron. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? Well, that's what we're here to find out. This week, it's my pick, and I've chosen an episode of Inner Sanctum, The Shadow of Death, from 1945. And featuring, of course, that great comedy duo, the Lipton Tea Lady and Raymond. Inner
1: Sanctum was created by Hyman Brown, one of the biggest and most influential names in radio history. Having created The Adventures of the Thin Man, Bulldog Drummond, Dick Tracy, Flash Gordon, The
2: Adventures of Nero Wolfe, CBS Radio Mystery Theater, and many more. The Shadow of Death stars Richard Widmark, two years before his breakout role as Tommy Udo, the giggling psychopath in the 1947 film Kiss of Death. Widmark was typecast as a villain for years, but was known behind the scenes for his kindness and sensitivity. In 1950, Widmark played a seething racist in the film No Way Out, and according to a story in the New York Times, felt so embarrassed by the character that after every scene he apologized to the young actor he was required to torment, Sidney Poitier. His marriage to actress Jean Hazelwood lasted 55 years until her death in 1997, a rarity in Hollywood. In 1990, he told a reporter he had never even flirted with another woman because, I happen to like my wife a lot.
0: Warning, none of these admirable traits will be on display in today's story.
2: This episode was written by Robert Sloan, who
1: wrote regularly in the 1940s and 50s for radio, primarily for Inner Sanctum, but also The Fat Man and Casey, Crime Photographer, among other shows. He was writing, producing, and directing Treasury Men in Action in 1955 when he died of a heart attack at the very young age of 42. And now, from October 2nd, 1945, here is The Shadow of Death from Inner Sanctum.
0: It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices.
3: and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum
4: Mysteries.
3: Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. We're having a party tonight. For two of my favorite corpses. I call them Romeo and Juliet. They're newly dead, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's the daughter of a famous society murderer... and he's the pride of the East Side Morgue. Oh, they're so happy together in their mausoleum built for two. And you should see the bridal casket. Shame it...
5: on you, Mr. Host, making fun of such a tragedy.
3: But, Mary, it was a touching ceremony. Of course, I stood up for the groom... Naturally, the poor fellow couldn't stand up for himself.
5: <laughs> oh, please. It's an occasion for tears, not for laughter.
3: That's right, Mary. Why, when the bride appeared wearing her grandmother's shroud, everyone had to be cheered up with Lipton tea. Oh,
5: that's enough. I will not have Lipton's mentioned at a time like that. Lipton tea is for people who know how to enjoy life. These are the folks who really appreciate Lipton's famous brisk flavor. Yes, that word, Brisk. B-R-I-S-K makes a big difference when you're sitting down to a cup of hot tea. Brisk means that Lipton tea tastes fresh and full-bodied, never flat or wishy-washy. I wish you'd try Lipton's, folks, even if you're not a regular tea drinker, because you just don't know how good tea can be till you know how good Lipton's is.
3: Well, Mary, let's tee off into tonight's story. hmm? Mm -hmm. It's called The Shadow of Death. Mm -hmm. And it's an original radio play by that boogie-woogie man, Robert Sloan. Yes, and our star tonight is Richard Widmark, who plays the role of Howard. All set, then turn off the lights and let in the shadow of death. On a lonely dirt road that borders the village cemetery, a single car slows to a stop and parks in the moonless night. Inside it, a man leans back in his seat and reaches for the hand of the girl he loves. Howard. Yes, dear.
4: Why did you stop here? The cemetery is right over there.
6: Oh, I didn't notice.
4: You drove here last night too. Did I? Yes.
6: Oh, <laughs> well, you're not frightened, are you?
4: Tonight I am. You've been so strange, so far away. I. I feel as if I hardly know you.
6: Darling, you mustn't feel that way.
4: What's the matter, Howard? There's something on your mind.
6: I'm going away, Marie. Oh, no. And I'm not coming back.
4: Howard, why?
6: Well, I don't really know if I can explain it. It seems so incredible, and... And yet I know it must be true. What? Something I've discovered about myself. Something strange and frightening, Marie. Wherever I go... I seem to cast a shadow. A shadow of death.
4: I... I don't understand.
6: No, I didn't either at first. I thought it was just a strange coincidence. But it isn't. It's me. I bring death wherever I go. Oh, Howard, you don't really believe that. Well, how can I believe anything else? Haven't you noticed what happens to every living thing I have around me? I can't keep a pet of any kind, a cat or a dog. Even a plant dies when I have it in the house.
4: Oh, darling, that's just your imagination. You've been working too hard. You need a rest.
6: No, I'm going away, Marie. I don't want any harm to come to you. Oh, no,
4: please. Nothing's going to happen to me. This is just...
6: What's the matter?
4: Nothing. I... I was just looking at the flowers in my corsage.
6: Good heavens. They're dead.
7: You don't believe me either, do you, Doctor? Well, let's not put it on that basis, Howard. After all, I've been trained to look for the physical causes of death, not the supernatural. Then what do you think I should do? Frankly, I'd like you to spend a few weeks away from these surroundings. Go up to the sanitarium I told you about. They'll take good care of you up
6: there. All right, Doctor. I'll make arrangements to go tomorrow. But I know it won't do
7: any good. You'll be surprised, Howard. Two or three weeks from now, you look back on this as a... Yes. That's strange. Those goldfish in my aquarium. They're all dead.
4: me the truth, Howard. Are you comfortable here in the sanitarium? They,
6: they don't believe me. They don't believe that people die when I dream about them. People die? Yes, when... didn't you know that? Every time I have a dream about someone, it, it's a sign of death. And the next morning when I wake up, I look in the obituary column and I see the name of the person I dreamt about. Oh, Howard, what have they done to do you here? Nothing. Only they don't believe me. The, the, the dreams, I mean. I had to prove it to them this morning. And it made me feel very bad. What made you feel bad? The dream I had last night. I killed a man, Marie. What? I killed him in my dream. Oh. He was a good friend of mine, too. He lived right across the
4: hall. Oh, Howard, please. You've got to get hold of yourself. But
6: I'm afraid, Marie. I don't want to dream anymore.
4: Oh, darling, I can't bear to see you this way. What well,
6: way? Well,
4: I... I'll get you out of here. I promise, Howard. I'll get you out of here today. Uh-huh.
7: Marie, there isn't a chance of getting him out. He may have to stay in this institution for months. Oh,
4: no. Dr. Gerard, can't you see what's happening to him? He's losing his mind.
7: Well, I know he's taking a turn for the worse. That's all the more reason for keeping him here. It might be dangerous to discharge him now.
4: Then why don't you do something to help him?
7: We're doing everything we can. It's not easy. He persists in thinking he has this strange power of death. Nobody is able to convince him he's wrong.
4: What about the man across the hall? Howard said they were good friends.
7: That's another thing. They were good friends. But unfortunately, that man died this morning.
6: Come in. Ah, good morning, Howard. How do you feel today? Oh, much better, doctor, much better. No bad spells last night? No curious moods? No, I feel fine. Almost well enough to go home. Let me look at your eyes. You will let me go home again, won't you, Doctor? Yes, Art, of course, of course.
7: You, uh. haven't had any of those
6: dreams lately, have you? No, no, not for a long time. Are you sure? Well, I. Uh, I did have one last night. You dreamt that someone was dead? Yes, I did. But. But, but I, I. I know it's not true. It can't be true.
7: Whom did you dream about? Marie?
6: No, doctor. I dreamt about you. That's why I know I'm wrong. You're alive, doctor. Don't you understand? You've proven it easy, to me. Easy, easy, now. Tell me about your dream. Well, I, I dreamt I was going home. And all the people I'd killed in my dreams were alive again. Yes, go on. Well, somehow or other, I could see my house from this window. And everything was just as it was a long time ago. The flowers were growing, the dog was in the yard. The one that was run over? Yes, everything was well again. And I was well, too. That's why I wanted to go home. But you and Marie's mother didn't want me to.
7: She was in the dream, Marie's
6: mother? Yes, I, I don't know how she happened to be there, but she was. That's all right, huh? Go on. Well, I started to leave, doctor, but she held me back. She held my arms like this. And then you jumped up to ring the bell for help. But before you reached it, I was on top of you like this. I had my fingers around your throat. And I was squeezing it so hard. I could feel your windpipe bending back. Until you couldn't breathe anymore, it. Let go! That's what you said last night, you fool! I got, I, you wanted me to let go! But I, I can't help! Until your face turned as blue as it is now. It was almost black before I let you come.
8: But first, first I made sure you were
6: dead. And then I dropped the body. You see, Doc, my dreams do come true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, have you had any good dreams lately? Howard has. And you know, his dreams don't need interpretation. No, they need cremation. <laughs> say, it's a lucky thing that guy works on the night shift. It'd be awful if he had daydreams, too. <laughs> Good gracious,
5: yes. His dreams not only walk, they commit murder.
3: <laughs> Mary, I was about to say that. Please leave the jokes to me. How would you like it if I talked about tea? Hmm?
5: Well, for goodness sake, I listened to the story, too. And I must say, I'm glad I'm not his, um... Dream girl.
3: (laughs) That does it. (laughs) Friends, let me tell you about Lipton tea. All
5: right, you win. But it's only because I have something important to say about Lipton's. Folks, did you know that Lipton's is the largest selling brand in the whole world? Yes, and the reason for that is Lipton's well-known brisk flavor. You know, that word brisk is the tea expert's word for tangy, full-bodied tea, for Lipton tea. Ah, Lipton's is always fresh and spirited, never flat or or wishy-washy. That's why lots of people drink it not just at mealtimes, but whenever they're taking it easy for a minute during the day. So, folks, try Lipton's and get acquainted with that brisk flavor.
3: Well, let's get back to our dream man and find out what he does in his waking moments. When we left him last, he had just done a little manual work on Dr. Gerard's windpipe. And now, as the good doctor lies comfortably on the sanitarium floor, Howard is in the process of going through his pocket.
6: Well, I'll have to have the keys to your car, doctor. I'll need them to get back home. I hope you won't mind if I hide you under this bed. It may take
8: them a little bit longer to find the body if I do. But... Yes, who is it? Dr. Frisbee, Howard. May I come in?
6: Well... Yes. Yes, I, I'll open the door.
8: What is it, Doctor? Well, I was looking for Dr. Gerard. I thought he was in here.
6: Oh, he, yes, yes, he, he was a moment ago. I, I, I think he went down the hall.
8: Oh, no, I just came from there. I guess he went back to his office. Oh, yes, I guess he did. How are you making out, Howard? Fine, fine, Doctor, fine, fine. You seem a little nervous. Your hands are shaking. Oh, well, I... You see, you've dropped your key. I'll get them all right, Howard. I wasn't going to take them away from you. But I am wondering how you happen to have any keys in your possession. Well, they're, uh, they're, they're not really mine. Well, whose are they? Dr. Gerard's? Uh, yes, yes. He, he left them here. I, I mean... You mean uh, you stole them from him?
6: No. Oh,
8: come, Howard. You can't expect me to believe Dr. Gerard would give you any keys. Now, you'd better let me have them. So I can give them back. But
6: I... I not Let me
8: have them, Howard. Thank you. You won't tell him I took them, will you? No, Howard, I won't tell. But, uh, please don't take them again. I'll go
6: anyway. I'll get out onto the road and I'll get a hitch. Yes, sir, I'll get away. I've got to speak to Marie. down, mister? I guess not. I guess I'm... Not... Oh, oh, here comes another one. Hey, stop! Give me a ride, will you? Give me a ride, please, mister? Oh, he's stopping. Hey, hey, wait for me, will you, mister? I'm coming. I'll be right there. Oh, gee, thanks, mister. You going into town? Yes, Howard.
8: But you're not.
6: Dr. Frisbee.
8: Yes, I've been watching you ever since you took those keys. I thought you'd try something like this. Well,
6: I... I had to, doctor.
8: I understand. Better get in the car, Howard, so we can talk this thing over. All right. You know, it's silly to run away from our place up there. If you really want to go home, all you have to do is ask. I
6: did ask. When? This morning. Oh, wait a minute. Don't start the car. Why not? There's a truck coming. In back. Where? Howard, let go of me, Howard. I've to have this car, Doctor. When I finished with it. I'll return it to
9: you. Hello?
6: Hello, Mrs. Walker.
9: Who's this?
6: Howard. You remember me, don't you?
9: Howard, where are you?
6: In a telephone booth around the corner.
9: You're adopting the sanitarium?
6: No, I've been discharged. Dr. Gerard said I could go.
9: You mean... You're well again?
6: Yes, I'm completely cured. Oh. Oh, I see. You don't sound very happy about it, Mother. Where's Marie? She's,
9: uh... She's out on a date.
6: When will she be back?
9: Well, I I don't know, Howard. She she didn't say.
6: I've got to see her again, Mrs. Walker. I've got to see her once more before I die. Before you die? Yes, I haven't much longer to live. Now, where is she?
9: Well, I... I I think she said she was going to movies. You're lying. I'm not Howard. I, I, I just can't be sure. But if you go to the theater, you, you might find her there.
6: You don't want me to see her, do you? Uh,
9: no, not until I've spoken to Dr. Gerard. Why? Don't you believe me? Don't you believe I'm well again? No, Dr. Gerard... Never mind I... what he
6: said. <laughs> Mrs. Walker, you mustn't dislike me. I'm very fond of you.
9: You, you are Howard.
6: Yes, I've been thinking a lot about you lately. While I was in the sanitarium last night, I even had a dream about you.
9: Keep bringing that number, operator. I've... I've got to locate Dr. Gerard. Why
6: the hurry, Mrs. Walker?
9: Howard, how did you get in here?
6: Through the back door. Put that phone down, please. But I... Put it down, I said.
9: Yes, yes.
6: You lied to me about Marie being at the movies, Mrs. Walker.
9: I I didn't mean to, Howard. I I told you I wasn't sure she was there.
6: Where is she? This time I've got to know.
9: Howard, how dare you? Get your hands off me.
6: I'm not in a gentle mood, Mrs. Walker. I'm fighting against time.
9: Yes. You've done something wrong, Howard. You've escaped from the sanitarium.
6: No, I've done more than that, Mrs. Walker. I've killed a man. Howard? Two men, three men. I I can't remember how many it was, but there's going to be one more.
9: Howard, you you wouldn't kill me, would you? Wouldn't
6: I? What have you done to deserve your life?
9: Uh, Let it ring. That may be my call.
6: Your call is coming now, Mrs. Walker.
9: Howard, please. for damn it, night.
4: Nice. Will you
6: tell me where Marie is?
4: I told you. I don't know. I don't know. Then I'll wait for her.
8: Right here.
4: Howard, you can't. No, no. You can't.
6: Oh. Yes, I can, Mrs. Walker. Hello? Hello?
4: Hello, this is Dr. Frisbee, sanitarium calling. Is Mrs. Walker there?
6: I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. Marie? Marie, darling?
4: What? Why, Howard? Howard, what are you doing here?
6: I've been waiting for you to come home, darling. Aren't you glad to see me?
4: Oh, yes, of course I am. and. It was such a surprise, I couldn't catch my breath for a minute. Where's Mother?
6: Upstairs. Why?
4: Why? Oh, I just wanted to know.
6: You had no other reason?
4: No. Howard, why are you staring at me?
6: I'm not really staring. I'm just looking at you, darling. It's been such a long time since I've seen you. I'd almost forgotten what you were like. Well... Uh, let's go and No, if you but... don't mind, darling, I'd rather go for a ride.
4: You're You're all right, aren't you, Howard? I, I mean you're you're completely well now.
6: Oh, can't you see I am?
4: Yes, but I, I... Yes. Yeah.
6: Then let's not wait any longer, darling. Come on, we'll go for a ride.
4: But don't you think we ought to go back?
6: No, not yet, Marie. You just keep driving. These few moments we have together, maybe I'll... Marie, why are you stopping here? Uh,
4: we're low on gas, dear. I, I don't want to get stuck on the highway. Oh. Yes, ma'am? What the uh, uh, you Uh, You'd better fill her up.
7: All
4: right. And uh, have you got a telephone here? Yes,
7: ma'am, right inside. Thank you. Wait a minute, Marie.
6: What do you want with a telephone?
4: Oh, I was going to call my mother. She'll be worried about me. Oh, no,
6: she won't. She knows you're with me. Besides, uh, she went out for a little while.
4: Well, maybe she's back by now. It won't hurt to call, will it? No,
6: I guess it won't.
4: I'll be right back, Howard. Well,
6: hurry, darling. I want to be with you as much as I can.
4: Yes, I won't be a minute. Number, please. Operator, quick. Get me the police. This is an emergency.
8: Yes, ma'am. Right away. Headquarters, Sergeant Dan
4: speaking. Sergeant, listen carefully. I won't have time to repeat it. The murderer of Dr. John Gerard is right here in a filling station on Route 6 at the Hadley intersection. What shall I do? I can't keep him here. Does he know you're on to him? No. No, he doesn't know I read the story in a newspaper just before I got home. He was waiting there for me, and I haven't been able to get to a phone since.
8: Well, don't take any chances. He's a homicidal maniac. Don't even try to stall him if he wants to leave. No. Just stay where you are, and we'll be over there in four minutes.
4: Oh, no, no, that's no good. He won't let me stay here. He'll take me with him. Brilliant. Oh, he's calling for me now. Brilliant. Just a moment, Howard. What can I do, Sergeant? What can I do? Give me a
3: description of the car,
4: quick. It, it's a dark blue sedan. License number 468J3. We've been going east on Route 6... <laughs> Oh, I can't talk anymore. He's coming. Marie,
6: for heaven's sake, what kept you so long? Oh,
4: I had a hard time getting the number. There was something wrong with the lines.
6: But you were talking to somebody.
4: Yes, I I was speaking to Mother.
6: You were speaking to your mother?
4: Yes. She told me not to stay out too late. You're
6: lying, Marie. No, I'm not, Howard. I talked to him. You talked to the police. That's why you lied to no. me. No. You did. Your mother's dead. Oh, I... I know, because I killed her. No. Be quiet. Get back into the car. You're coming with no. me.
4: No. No, Howard. Oh, Howard, you're hurting my aunt. Get back in the car. Hey, you leave her
6: alone. <laughs> keep out of this, you fool. You'll leave her alone. I told you to keep out of this. Oh, no. Hey,
4: put down that right now. Put it down. Oh, 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 could
6: you? Never mind. Get into the car.
4: Howard, why are you stopping here?
6: Don't you know where we are, Marie? This is the cemetery.
4: Where we stopped before?
6: Yes. I like it here. It's so quiet and peaceful among the dead. Let's walk through the ground. Howard, please, please. Why not, Marie? We're among friends. So many of our loved ones are buried here. It's nice to be near them. Come on, Marie. All right, Howard. You know, darling, we haven't much more time together. The shadow of death has fallen across our path.
4: You said something like that before, but you never told me why.
6: I'm being selfish, Marie. I know I have to die, and I want you to come with me.
4: Why do you have to die, Howard?
6: Because I... I haven't been true to myself, darling, I haven't been true to this power I have.
4: The power of death?
6: Yes. I've helped it along sometimes. Like that dream I had about my friend in the sanitarium. Like the flowers in my garden. Like those fish of Dr. Gerard's.
4: You killed them?
6: Yes. I knew they were going to die. But I shouldn't have helped them. That's why I'm being punished.
4: But Howard... Why are you punishing me?
6: I don't want to die alone, Marie We've been away from each other so much, darling I I want us to be together from now on <laughs> But... Don't he... be afraid, darling I'll be gentle, Marie So gentle But
4: you're making a mistake, Howard no. You are You've forgotten what you've done You can't kill me, darling Why not? My good heavens, Howard, don't you remember? Don't you remember that day at the sanitarium? You said you dreamt about me.
6: No. No, I couldn't have.
4: Yes, you did. Didn't they tell you what happened? No. Your dream. Your dream, it was true. That's why you can't kill me now. Marie, you. You mean. Me- yes, Howard. I'm dead. I I can't believe it. Oh, you must believe it. Here, here, look at this tombstone. My grave is right here. No. Read what it says. Read the name on it.
6: It's your name, Marie. Your name? Marie Walker.
4: Yes. Then you.
6: Then you really are dead.
4: I told you I was, Howard. The shadow of death passed over me.
6: Then let it pass over me.
8: Hey, cut him, Sam. Cut him the first shot. Keep out of the way, miss. He may not be dead yet. No,
4: I... I'm sure he's dead.
8: Well, you certainly had a close call. It took us all this time to locate your car. You finally spotted it on the road. You all right?
4: Yes, sir, I'm all right.
8: Yeah.
4: The name of my grandmother's Tombstone saved me. How's that? Oh, it it doesn't matter.
8: Say, that's funny. What? This guy was shot through the shoulder. My bullet wounds weren't serious enough to kill him. What do you mean? Well, I know it sounds crazy, but my shots didn't kill him. He was dead before I hit him.
3: What a shame. Wasting two perfectly good bullets on a guy that was dead all the time. Well, at least they won't have to go far to bury him. Here's one villain who died practically in the middle of his own plot. (laughs) Isn't it funny how many of our stories seem to take place in cemeteries? You know, Mary, I think you ought to open up a concession in the cemetery and you know what you could sell
5: mm. don't say it don't you dare you know very well that the place to buy lipton tea is and always will be your neighborhood grocery store and folks that reminds me you'll find it wiser to buy liptons in the larger more economical size packages that way you not only save money but you also make sure that you won't run short on a beverage that's really a household necessity brisk flavored lipton tea <laughs>
3: Before I put the skeletons back in their closets, I'd like to give you a parting word of advice. A body should never be left alone at the morgue at night. After all, it might become (laughs) slab-happy. Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is The Whistling Legs by Roman McDougald. Yes, and let me tell you about next week's Inner Sanctum story. Directed by Hyman Brown... And brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. You know, usually our stories are about people who live six feet under the ground. But for next week, we've dug a lot deeper. In fact, it takes place in China. <laughs> and as a special added attraction, we've unearthed a new kind of character for you. Unearthed is right. This guy's been dead for 20 centuries. <laughs> And now it's time to close the squeaking door, so... Good night. Pleasant Mm (laughs) dreams.
5: Ladies, if your child comes home from school for lunch, you want to give him a quick but appetizing meal. And that's why you should serve Lipton's noodle soup. You see, Lipton's takes no time to prepare, and yet it has a fresh-cooked, old-fashioned, chickeny flavor. And it's just swimming with tender golden egg noodles. Your children will love Lipton's grand homemade taste. So don't forget to serve Lipton's noodle soup. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum mystery.
7: This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: That was The Shadow of Death from 1945 from Inner Sanctum here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. Mm -hmm. And I'm Joshua. Chickeny flavor, not actually chicken. (laughs) 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 Mm, Mmm, chickeny
2: flavor. (laughs) Now, technically, this is not Raymond, right? This is your host after This is Paul McGrath, yes. Yes. It is not the original Raymond. Right, but it's still that He refers to himself as Mr. Host. In fact, he is probably more over the top, I think,
0: than Raymond Edward Johnson. Well, especially when they started teaming up the Lipton Tea Lady. Yeah. Uh And then it just got wackadoo. It is gold.
2: (laughs) You know how we disagree about this. But just when the Lipton Tea Lady decides to try to do some of his Mm shtick and add the little evil giggle... I was so happy. Me too.
0: Here's the big reveal that I've been waiting to tell you. So I picked Inner Sanctum. I like the story, whatever. We'll get into We'll get Good night, folks. That. Good night. I like it. <laughs> I finally like Just... the shtick. The host, or Raymond, and the Lipton Tea Lady. I know we've done these before, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so distracting. It's mm-hmm. so distracting from the story, and to listen to this ridiculous banter, and for whatever reason... This time, I went, I, I, I like this. <laughs> I, I, I'm used to it. I get it. I now get it. It reminds me of the first three times I watched Aqua Teen Hunger Force and had no <laughs> idea what was going on. And then about third or fourth time, I went, oh, oh this is this like is Inner
2: Sanctum. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I laughed, and I went, oh, I get it. And it's about moving your perspective, like an inch to the left. You know what I mean? Like, you're looking at something straight on. Sometimes you're like, I don't get it. It's a talking milkshake. And then you go to the left, and you go, oh, I get it. That's a talking milkshake. That's funny. So it just happened with me. Like, oh, all of a sudden, I understood kind of what the shtick was this time Mm -hmm. through. And it didn't bother me. And, in fact, I enjoyed it.
1: You know, similar uh, we have talked about, because I in, all along enjoyed Raymond slash host uh, and his terrible not puns, these aren't jokes, but he's sounding like the R. And I was listening to this one and he got to this character died in the middle of his own plot. And I just had that slow clap. <laughs> that is well, an actual joke. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs>
2: Like, once per episode, there's an actual joke. Most of them are just words delivered as jokes. Puns. He had a couple good puns. I thought yep. the Romeo and Juliet and the Newly Deads, pretty yep. good pun Pretty good. Puns go.
0: I got a bunch of them written down, although I think my favorite, because it's not a joke and I don't know what he's talking about, <laughs> when he introduces who it was written by. That boogie-woogie man, Robert Sloan. (laughs) Why we had Robert Sloan information in our introduction is because when he called him that boogie-woogie man, Robert Sloan, I had to look up Robert Sloan and figure out, well, is this an inside joke or is this... Did he play boogie-woogie piano? Right, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And uh, everything that I found out about him, every single word was in our intro. That is every <laughs> single piece of information there is about Robert Sloan. So I just think he called him that boogie woogie man, just because there is
2: boogie man, and then another word you can say that sounds like boogie is boogie woogie, and but so he's... done joke.
0: <laughs> 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 Got to get but on to the next. He's not script. the boogie man; he's the writer. Uh, anyway, I uh, came across this and listened to it, and I'll be honest; I picked it because, as we discussed earlier off the air, I was saying. I was having a hard time finding an episode and I finally went, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to dip into the well of inner sanctum because there'll be something there. That'll be awesome. And, Joshua will be really happy. He'll be good to listen to Lipton <laughs> Tea Lady and and Raymond again. And I listened to this one, I kinda just picked it from the title and I really enjoyed it. I liked the plot of mm-hmm. it and I liked the writing and the performance and the structure and all of it. Actually, one of the better inner sanctums I've ever heard by accident. So <laughs> well, you know, you know which ones are good and you're like, ah, we'll throw that inner sanctum out there on the podcast. This one I'd never heard and I was like, Wow, I found one I yeah. really liked. So thoughts.
2: I love this about Inner Sanctum is that it just always attacks the story. Mm-hmm. It is never flat or wishy-washy, just like Lipton <laughs> tea. <laughs> it is it's bold brisk. and flavorful. B R I S K. Yes. <laughs> but it is so comic booky, and mm-hmm. I wonder if I think it's comic booky because so many of those '50s EC horror comics were inspired by shows like Inner Sanctum or because of this quality that inner sanctum has that's why those writers and artists drew material from these shows because it was so perfectly suited to the comic book medium because everything is just big even i love it but when they they park in the cemetery those crickets mm-hmm. they're oh. big those crickets are in the back seat of the car <laughs> eating, they're eating popcorn and listening right with you this is just like everything's very distinct and the the biggest version of everything you can possibly have.
0: Yeah, I love the Foley. And you're right. I never thought of them as gigantic, just close. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thinking of them as more of gigantic? Yeah. (laughs) Why don't we write that one? (laughs) Gigantic crickets.
1: I really, really like this episode. And I think part of it was, maybe even unintentional to the original story, but just the amount of scary there is in... He stopped the car at a cemetery, and he's just kind of upset about something. And in the context of the time, that may not have been big red flag lady, get out of there. Mm-hmm. But to a modern ear, like, that's creepy if some guy just stops the car <laughs> at, a cemetery. at a cemetery and is having an a mm-hmm. issue going on. And then to have that come back at the end. Yeah, especially when the issue is, I kill things I'm close to. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Like in this car. <laughs> yes. And have they come back at the end. It was very, uh, uh, an immediacy and genuine scariness to me when they're in that graveyard the second mm-hmm. time
2: around. Because in old time radio, you might escape a cemetery once. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But twice is unlikely. So that was really impactful. And so when it had the extra zinger of,
1: oh, he died before he was shot. That mm-hmm. seemed like a little gilding the lily like you didn't need the one more twist. And it's a
2: little confusing because I couldn't really pull out was he dead the whole time mm-hmm. or did he literally drop dead seconds before the bullets hit him because he was telling her that mm-hmm. I'm going to die. Yes. I'm going to die. Now. <laughs> Quick. Here come the bullets. <clears throat> And boy, (laughs) cops don't warn people in in 1940 or whatever. They're just like, there's a shadowy figure. Shoot him.
0: (laughs) I would argue things haven't changed. (laughs) Fair enough. enough. Yep. Um, The double plot twist, since you brought it up, I'll disagree with you that I loved it. Ah. It had me going thinking, oh, man, she's dead this is a cool twist and then like no there was my grandmother's headstone yeah she's like oh clever girl okay so it's not a twist and then no he's already been dead and I went ah they found another twist and I thought it was really cool to go twist not so much it was a ploy and then here there actually is a twist and then to uh piggyback on what you guys were trying to figure out I had no doubt in my head that he had been dead the whole time like he was a walking dead person
2: Oh, wow. And I'm wondering, I didn't go back and re-listen, are there like 6 sense moments (laughs) that tell you that he's already
0: dead? I don't think there's really, like, clues, but I would say the demeanor of Howard, you know, portraying that innocent kid who is actually evil as hell, which, by the way, in itself is a great choice. I love that. Innocent, yeah. Gosh and golly, and everything's well, his fine. His
2: performance was great, and it reminded me a lot of Howard from To Find
0: Help. Okay. Also, so Howard. yep. So there it is. That's my next note. The Gene Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly what it was like. And he seems so trusting and loving, and then he stabs the the doctor by yeah. the way which is a gruesome death scene I loved mm-hmm. well he's strangling the doctor yeah. I think he stabs yes. her mother yeah sorry, whatever. sorry strangling. Yeah,
2: they take the whole
0: time of a strangulation <laughs> yeah, and yeah the, the actual real time <laughs> and listening to him die while he talks I thought it was just terribly gruesome and awesome in its mm-hmm. gruesomeness And so, yes, I would say that I believe that he was dead the whole time, and I thought that was cool. And I thought the double twist was great, because I was like, oh, twist! Uh, Not so much twist, but cool. Oh, twist! (laughs) But
2: it's it's inner sanctum. It's a triple twist, because they're not going to fool around with a double twist. That's for (laughs) losers. Because before those two twists, we have the twist that it hasn't been anything supernatural. He says, oh, I've been helping Death along.
0: Right. He, oh, you're he right. He
2: that he killed the goldfish. Yeah. He you're killed right. the plants in his backyard. He's helping along his journey. You're dreams. right, because
0: we're being led to believe that this is a kid that for some reason uh, his presence is killing things. Yeah.
2: So the twist is it's nothing supernatural. Then the twist is.
0: She's dead. She's dead. N- no, yeah. it's her grandmother's it's tomb. It's
2: her grandmother's tomb. Then there's another twist. Actually, I take it back. It is supernatural because he's been dead. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: well, then I like it triple as much. Yeah. But that bugged you a little? Was I unnecessary still like unnecessary. Like, I don't think
1: he
2: was dead the whole time. I
0: think oh, he really? just...
2: Died right before the bullets?
1: Yeah.
0: How would they know that?
2: <laughs> I think it's a little unclear. In it, all fairness, the, uh, they needed a clarifying line there. In, in Police were
1: highly trained in the forensic sciences. Because well, the cop's uh, like, I just
2: winged him, just to the shoulder. <laughs> I shoot a lot of guys in the shoulder, and let me tell you, they don't die like that.
0: <laughs> a criticism, a small one. Uh, I think the organ was a little heavy-handed.
2: Is there any radio show that has as many organ stings mm, per right, minute? right. I want to go through and calculate <laughs> how many. I mean, how many organs did they go through? I mean, like what, did <laughs> they, they brought up inner sanctum. It's like you know, once again, this organ is literally worn to a nub. Like that, we have another organ breaks. nub. Breaks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gotta get a new one in here. <laughs> it's it's just like every other line is ding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good, good, so I'm not alone no. in that. It's it's a lot of work to sell the scary. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think killing her mom. Finding out that he killed her mom was a horrifying moment. Uh, I love the line, as we just talked about. I love that line. I helped the dreams along a little bit.
2: There's also the nice suspense that comes from him murdering her mother because she places the call to the cops. Yeah. And you know as a listener that she's going to use the fact that she's calling her mom as cover. Yeah. Yeah. And when she says that to him, oh, I was talking to mm-hmm. my mom. It's just an awful moment because you're just like screaming at the radio, "No, don't say that!" <laughs> Which brings up to find help.
0: Were you on the phone? No, I wasn't. You yeah. know,
2: <laughs> but yeah, it did remind me a lot of to find help. Yeah, I will say I really enjoyed it, but I feel there are some other inner sanctums that are better constructed. I think yes. there's a lot of entertainment throughout, but they keep adding new powers like every scene to him so it gets a little confusing yeah didn't Uh, I tell
1: you when I dream of someone they die which I
2: love that uh no hey didn't I tell you that come on (laughs) pay attention It's awkward. And then when he gets then when he escapes, he tells her, "I'm going to die. This is my new power. I know when I'm going to die." And so it's all
0: weird that way. And then when he had the ability to create fire in the palm of his hands <laughs> and shoot laser beams from his eyes.
2: Yeah, if it had been an hour, we might
0: have got there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that, Joshua, that I think the thing I love about it was the pleasant surprise aspect for me of let's throw this on mm-hmm. and hear what it is and going wow nice mm-hmm. at the point of trying to turn in a podcast for the recording this week mm-hmm. no matter what this was at this point <laughs> was the one we were going to do
2: no I thoroughly enjoyed oh, it because yeah. interesting it has that quality where it's just the, this momentum the story builds up and performers attack the script and it, it just moves even mm-hmm. if they have to put a hundred million <laughs> stings underneath it to make it just Feel like it's moving like a freight train. I also have a questioning fondness
1: for the doctor who, like, you've stolen car keys. You should give those back, <laughs> and then just watches him go. It's like, well, he's going to be hitchhiking soon. I better go pick him up, right? <laughs> Got, uh,
0: maybe a security person, <laughs> right? Orderly? Yeah, he had it coming. Well, <laughs> oh, say it again. For no reason other than I just really thought from a suspenseful, scary standpoint, him jumping the doctor and strangling him, that scene was beautiful in its horror.
6: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, All the scenes were well done. It's mm-hmm. very frightening when he's menacing her mother and mm-hmm. kills her. Again, it's because of the innocence. I do wonder how he killed those fish. (laughs) I I imagine him waiting endlessly in the doctor's room and waiting and then he just gets angry and like individually strangles each fish and puts it back in the water. (laughs) Plop. (laughs)
0: Plop. (laughs) Just opens up a bag of Lipton chicken soup. And
2: pours it in and they die instantly.
0: You know, once you get the fish out, you don't have to strangle them. (laughs) (laughs) just <laughs> shut up <Aaron>. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that it stands the test of time and it's inner sanctum and it's a lot of fun I wouldn't put it in you know the classic category uh, just because there's so many other old time radio episodes that are constructed slightly better but it was a lot of fun and really really good My thought
1: yeah I, t- I agree with that every word of that I really enjoyed it, it edges in on campiness sometimes mm-hmm. The sort of exact thing that old radio something gets satirized for of being a little over dramatic, a little sting heavy, not police sting, but um, <laughs> or B, not B sting, not B sting,
0: <laughs> or not the movie with Paul Newman, Red, not right? Not the guy that sings with the police. That was the first police sting <laughs> joke. You've Nor the act Circle. of
7: law
2: enforcement.
0: No, just Oh, the, I thought you meant like a police sting, like a stakeout. Yes. Yeah, yes. Oh, see? I see? just mean a musical sting. That was
2: a complicated pun. <laughs> <laughs> to just throw that out there and leave. You can't do that.
8: Raymond
0: just called and said, Well done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I forgot. You say it's good. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. It has its flaws, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. I agree with you both. Stands the test of time. Not a classic. Uh, a little creaky in the plot mechanics here and there, but that is Inner Sanctum. But never dull. I have yet to hear an inner sanctum that I I don't pay utter attention to. It's just Mm -hmm. mesmerizing, even their bad choices. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow, you did that!
0: Right? (laughs) Well, and we've all learned that a body should never be left alone in a morgue at night, because it will become (laughs) slab happy. (laughs) What? (laughs) Brilliant! (laughs) And, you know, I also like that line. Uh, they don't have to go far to bury him when he dies in the cemetery.
2: Uh, well, let's tee off into our closing credits.
0: <laughs> Tim,
1: tell us stuff. Hey, everyone. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. There you will find information about our live performances, because we do go out in the world once in a while, uh, particularly to the James J. Hill Center, and perform live versions of classic old radio scripts. Um, you can also find old episodes, of uh, old, tired episodes of this podcast. Um, (laughs) Barely clinging to life. (laughs) Young and peppy. Um, You can also find us on Facebook, where you can comment on posts and have conversations with us and other fans. It's lovely. You can go to Instagram and find us and see pictures
2: that we post and like them. I have two things to tell you about, folks. One, there's this place called iTunes, and you can write reviews for this podcast. Please go there and do it. It really helps when people see these good reviews and a high number of reviews. um, It makes them want to listen to the podcast. I didn't really need to explain that, but I felt (laughs) maybe. What's in this for me? (laughs) <laughs> uh, also, uh, we are throwing our endorsement behind a, a podcast called Breaking Walls, and they are doing this exciting project. It's a podcast on the history of American radio drama, and it's a documentary that goes from the beginning of uh, dramatic radio, from the beginning of the creation of radio, in fact, all the way through the birth death and the possible resurrection, who knows, of dramatic radio in the United States. It combines interviews and archival clips and some actual original uh, radio sound effects and drama that they throw in as well. It's really good. So if you want to subscribe, go to thewallbreakers.com or everywhere that you get your podcasts.
0: All right,
1: Tim, you're next. That's right. Next week, we'll be listening to The Wendigo.
7: Until then. They're dead. A shadow of death. They're all dead.
4: I'll get you out of here today.
8: I'm Tim.